We alive and well this morning? We ready to receive? That wasn't very convincing, but uh, I'll tell you, two weeks ago, we, well, first of all, we've been talking about healing and um, God's provisions, and two weeks ago, even three, four weeks ago, for the past several weeks, I mean, it's been like a sponge. Um, y'all have been like a sponge. Last week, it was more like a brick wall, like throwing a ball against a brick wall and it bouncing off. I, I was wondering why, and I got to thinking about it, and I talked to Jonathan, and he told me it's because it's Father's Day. And people's minds are on what they got in the crock pot at home or what they should have done or what they, this, that, or the other. And I got to thinking, yeah, because I did the exact same thing from the pulpit last week. I looked right over there and saw my dad, and I said, dang, I left his gift at home on the couch, sitting on the couch. So I said, I'm, I'm probably not the only one that had their mind somewhere else. But... uh I want y'all to be ready to receive this morning, okay? And we're going to, this is like, you've ever been to, a, you've been to a Mexican restaurant and some people have been to Texas and had a big steak and you've been to a Tex-Mex restaurant. Well, this is like Tex-Mex. I mean, I teach and I preach. Um, I want to teach and preach, primarily teach, because we're covering a lot of ground and I want to explain it. When you preach something, you don't really have to explain it. You just tell it the way it is and that's it. When you teach, you have to explain it so people understand why it is the way that it is. Amen? So, uh, our foundational scripture that we've been in for several weeks is right here in Psalms, the 103rd chapter, starting in the first verse. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, we sing a song, Bless the Lord, O my soul. It's very popular. It's a good song. It says, Not to forget all his benefits. Why does he tell us not to forget all his benefits? Well, he knew that people were going to forget his benefits. But there's more than one benefit. It says, who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? And primarily, churches look at this first one, who forgives all of your iniquities? We accept Jesus Christ, our personal Lord and Savior, have no problem uh, believing that he went to the cross and died for our sins and that we're on our way to heaven. The second benefit right here, who heals all your diseases, that's where people struggle. I've struggled with it. I've seen others struggle with it. People even preach against it. You can't preach against it. You're not preaching the full word of God. You can't take it out. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. He healed then. He heals now. Amen. He went to the cross and died so that we could be healed. Now, how do you get over into um, receiving your forgiveness and, and receiving your healing? Well, you receive the healing the same way as you receive the, the forgiveness. You hear it. You believe it. You receive it. Somebody preached the word that Jesus went to the cross and he died for your sins. You heard it. Something stirred on the inside of you. You believed it and you received it. I remember uh, when it happened for me, and life changed instantly. Did, it, did everything that I was doing wrong fall off instantly? No, I worked it out. But I can tell you, life changed for me instantly. I was not who I used to be. I completely, totally changed in an instant. And the things, <coughs> it's like a ladder. The big, the big rungs in the ladder, the big sins in my life, if that's what you want to call it, they did fall off instantly. And over a period of time, the little things... Uh, God worked on me, and uh, through his strength and help and power, you know, he delivered me from, from all that junk. And so, um, but we get, what about the healing part? Who heals all your diseases? What about that? Well, the scripture tells us to walk by faith, not by sight. Don't walk by sight, but to walk by faith. So you can't go by what you see. You can't go by what you hear by what you feel, because sometimes you don't feel healed. But just because you don't feel healed doesn't mean you're not healed. The Word of God says you are healed. Do you always feel saved? I mean, do you always feel like the righteousness of God? Do you always think, I mean, I feel clean, like I've been washing the blood? I literally feel it. I feel clean. Am I glowing? I feel so righteous. Sometimes you feel not very righteous, don't you? Sure. And we used some examples the other day, you know, um, some funny ones, and there's some that are not so funny. They're a little more serious. Sometimes you don't feel very righteous. You say things you shouldn't have, and you act the way you shouldn't have. But <clears throat> nevertheless, it doesn't make you unrighteous. Y'all with me? 
All right, well, good. Well, I'm not going to go back and preach last week's sermon. We're moving ahead. So here's some, here's some I'm going to cover some questions that may be on your mind and some questions that I've heard people say that God made me sick. God made me sick. I even know a pastor of a ginormous church, I mean uh, huge, that said God made him sick. And then he looked in the congregation and he said, has God ever made any of you sick to teach you a lesson? And half of the people raised their hand. Well, they're wrong. They're mistaken. He is too. God. So he's the one who heals our diseases, forgives us of our sins, uh, who heals all our diseases, but then he turns around and makes you sick. Is he confused? Well, no. Sickness doesn't come from God, and God's never made you sick, nor has he made anybody sick. Look right here if you have your Bible in John, the 14th chapter, and we're going to cover a whole lot of scriptures, a whole lot. I'm going to go through them as quick as I can and write them down. If you don't have something to write them on, put them in your phone. If you have your Bible, underline them, circle them, highlight them. That's what that thing's for, man. Make some notes in there. This is the owner's manual. John 14, 9. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long? And he's talking to Philip here. That you've not known me, Philip? He said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, Show us the Father? Now in the scripture previous to this, Philip's saying, Would you just show us the Father? And he said, Well, how can you say, Hadn't I been with you? How can you say, Show me the Father? Why? Because if... The 10th verse, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. In other words, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You don't need to look any further. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What do we see Jesus doing? Did he go around doing anything evil or wicked or bringing sickness upon anybody, cussing anybody out or doing anything? No. We saw him healing blind eyes, lame legs, raising people from the dead, being a friend to the sinner, sitting down at the sinner's table and being a friend to them. I had uh, a young man last night, yesterday evening, said, how do you invite people to church? I said, well, you start off by being their friend. You don't always have that opportunity because you might not see them again because you might just see them in passing at a gas station or on a job site. But if if somebody you can see regularly, you just start by being their friend first. Be their friend. Church will come. You understand? They need a friend. Um, If we can't be a friend, if they can't see a friend in us, then they can never see a friend in Jesus. They have to see a friend in us first. But that's what Jesus did. He went around doing good. So when we went around seeing Jesus doing works, that's God at work through him. He was doing the work of the Father. So if you want to see the Father, look at Jesus, and you have to look no further. Look in John the 6th, chapter 38th verse. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus is the will of God in action. You want to know what God's will is? Jesus is the will of God in action. Some people say, you never know what the will of God is. Like it's a mysterious thing, and he has hid it for us to never know. Yeah, you can know. He's given us this book. This book is his will. You get in there and read it, and you find out what God's will is for you and for your life, what belongs to you, what kind of authority you have. A long list of things. But this book is his will, and Jesus is the will of God in action. So you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Amen? So I want you to I mean, lay aside any... Um, I know there's, we're, we're a lot of different backgrounds, okay? All different kind of churches of people in here. Um, I could go down the list of different denominations and people to raise their hands on what church they came from, what they grew up in, what they believe. But... I just want to ask you this morning, and sometimes the chalkboard just got to be wiped clean. Just because Granny said it don't mean it's so. Unless it's my Granny, then. <laughs> now, I'm not knocking on Granny, you understand, but what I'm saying is what, what any man, woman, a teacher, preacher, anybody teaches you anything, they need to back it up with Scripture, not opinion, because opinion is not worth anything. I try not to give you my opinion because my opinion doesn't count. The only thing that counts is this word right here, and that's it. If my opinion varies off this word, then it's, it's wrong. Amen. You know, we were in Luke, 
last week and the week before, talking about this building, this establishment being full of teachers of the law and Pharisees. And Jesus is there teaching. And it says the power of God was there to heal them. However, you didn't see anybody getting healed because there was no faith there. They were there just to critique him. And then all of a sudden, here comes this man on a mat, and his friends come up on the roof, rip the roof back, lower him down in there. Jesus says, man, your sins are forgiven. Guess what? He's healed, takes his mat, and goes home. The, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, they did not like that whatsoever at all. But you think about those people that sat right there in that room, and it says the power of God was there to heal, but none of them was getting healed. They could have sat there every single week, and nobody would have got healed. The man on the mat could have hung out with those religious people and heard what they had to say and their teachings that were contrary to Jesus, and that man would have never got off that mat. It's important who you hang out with. It's important who you surround yourself with. I remember when I started first becoming friends with Jonathan, some time passed, and our praise and worship leader here, Anna, was leading praise and worship at another church. They didn't even bother to call and ask me if that was cool. They just did it, which is not cool, which I didn't care. But still, it's just not what you're supposed to do. So if you're listening, don't do that again. But anyway, um, where was I going with that? Jonathan said, I heard her singing. He said, I've heard her singing here. He said, but until I heard her singing this time, he goes, I didn't really realize how anointed that she was and how good it was. And I said, I mean, yeah, I knew that already, you know. And then a little while later, he came here and he met some other people, John, my brother-in-law, and he's like, man, John's good at this, that, or the other. And then he's like, man, Jackie does a good job at this. And you know, who's that other guy over there? Oh, that's awesome. Well, man, he does a good job with this. Well, who's the lady next door in the children's church? Because I invited a friend. Their child went, and they said, man, that was a great. I said, well, that's, that's Amanda. Man, she's good. And then he's like, well, who can do this on the computer? And I said, well, Stick can do it. And then he said, man, you didn't tell me how good Stick was. And, then, and I said, well, yeah, I mean. And then he said, who's the guy on the electric guitar? And I'm like, well, that's David. He goes, you told me he was good. You didn't tell me he was, like, next level good. And who's the girl up here singing? And that's this person, that person. Go down the long list. Then he goes to Sunday school, and he's like, who's the lady teaching? I said, that's Sandra. He said, if you go to this church and you know she teaches and you don't go to that class, you're, you're not too smart. You need to be in that class. Anyway, long story short, I, I realize, see, it's who you surround yourself with. Greatness. I'm not that big of a deal. I'm actually a little puny of a deal, but I've surrounded myself around some big deals, some good greatness. You understand what I'm saying? It's important who you surround yourself around. Amen. In Acts, the 10th chapter and the 38th verse, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, from a natural standpoint, we uh, looking at how the laws govern this earth. You know, people want to think God is in control of everything. He does everything. But you have to understand, you see right here that Jesus went around doing good, healing all. And you see the laws that are governing this earth um, are, are not from God. Sickness and disease and uh, natural disasters and storms and all those different types of things, they're not from God. People see accidents and they accuse God of accidents, of storms, or God's just, he sent that tornado just to judge them, or he's mad on the wrath of God, that flood, or, um, you know, somebody gets killed in an accident. You never know when God's going to take you. You just never know when God's going to take you. God doesn't need a case of beer and a curvy road to take you. He doesn't. God didn't take you. In fact, it says that the thief came to kill, steal, and destroy. That's Satan. That Jesus came. God gave us Jesus, his only begotten son, so we could have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus came to give us life. God didn't kill you. He don't steal from you. He don't take things from you. He don't send tornadoes and natural disasters. The laws that are governing this earth are because of Satan. He's the little G, the God of this earth. We, you know, even insurance policies have on there an act of God. Did y'all know that? 
It's not an act of God. They need to change it. It's an act of Satan. It's not an act of God. Amen. You didn't see Jesus. Uh, he was rebuked storms. He didn't create the storms. Now, we can go back to the scripture we just left from. Refer back to that one. John, the 14th chapter and the 9th verse. And he says, you seen the Father? You've seen me. Did you, did you see Jesus? Did, did, have we seen Jesus doing any of these things when he walked the earth? Well, no. Well, he saw him doing anything but good. These aren't act, acts of God. You remember the disciples are out there in the boat and the storm blows up and they're all freaking out and they're all scared and Jesus goes out there and rebukes the storm? Now, how silly would it be if God sent the storm and Jesus went out there and rebuked it? Does that even make any sense whatsoever at all? Well, no. I think most people understand that, but I just want to cover every little nook and cranny. Amen? You say, maybe you've never heard about the little G and the, and the laws governing this earth and how Satan uh, is behind all of that. Well, Adam was given dominion, authority. It was his. He committed high treason. He sold out. When sin entered in, um, in 2 Corinthians, the 4th chapter and the 4th verse, it says, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded. And we don't have to read all of it. I just want you to see whose minds the God of this age. What God is that referring to? Satan. See that little G, not a capital G? The God of this age has blinded. Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine on them. That's what it's talking about. That's the, the little G. And I just want our minds to be straight. You have to make your mind up right now. Sickness and the disease comes from Satan, not from God. He's never made you sick, nor will he ever. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Is God confused? Is he bipolar? Is he schizophrenic? No. So get your minds wrapped around that and get your mind straight this morning. That's where it comes from. It comes from the pits of hell. Amen? Okay. People said this, God's in control. Well, he's in control. What you going to do about that? Well, God's in control. He's in control. You never know how these things are going to turn out because he's in control. He's really not in control unless you give him control. That means there's nothing required of you. We don't pray. We don't ask God to do anything. We don't ask him to move. We, we do absolutely nothing. We just say, well, he's in control. Case of all, sir, well, if that's the case, and he was in control, and he was going to do what he wanted to do anyway, then why would we pray? Why would he tell us to pray? That would be like saying, Lord, uh, to do this or that, but, well, you're in control. You're going to do what you want to do anyway, so I don't even know why I'm praying, so forget it. I mean, it's comical. I'm being silly, but at the end of the day, it is silly. That's awful. It's Presbyterian quiet in here. If he's real, if God's really real, then why do these things happen? Because of the little G. Because sin entered into the world and the wages of sin are death. That's why there's diseases. That's why there's plagues. That's why there's Dorona. Earthquakes. That's why these things, that's why the earth is because of sin on this earth. That's exactly why. If he's real, then why don't he do something about it? He did do something about it. John 3, 16. He sent his only begotten son, so whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. He did do something about it. Jesus went to the cross and died for you and for me and for all of us. He did do something about it. You want to know why? What, what, why don't God do something about it? Go look in the mirror. That old fellow standing back, staring back at you, or that pretty lady staring back at you, that's what he did to do something about it. He created you, and he created me, because we're supposed to be the hands and the feet. We're supposed to be going out into this world, preaching the gospel, laying hands on the sick, so they shall recover. The word's supposed to be getting out. He created you and me. We're supposed to make the difference. Amen. You and me, not, well, God's in control. He just never know what he's going to do. One day Satan's going to be removed from this earth. And there won't be any sickness. And there won't be any disease. The lion will lay with the lamb. Little kids can go up and pet a wolf. That should tell you who's behind it all. If he leaves and it leaves, he's the author of lies. He's the author of sickness. And he's the author of disease. Amen.
So let's go back to Acts, the 10th chapter, 38th verse. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. <clears throat> who anointed him? God anointed him. God anointed Jesus. Now in John, the 14th chapter, the 10th verse, do you believe that I'm in the Father, the Father in me? The works that I speak to you, I do not speak in my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. So who anointed him in Acts? God. And in what Jesus say in John, that what we're reading right here, he said that God does the works. So God anointed him, and God does the works. So God's in the healing business. He's not in the sickness business. Amen. In the 38th verse, it says, Back to Acts. I know we're jumping around. But it says that he went about healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. But he went around healing all who was oppressed by the devil. First of all, all. You see where Jesus is laying hands on one person, ten people, multitudes, uh, great multitudes. <clears throat> That's thousands. A multitude thousands, great multitudes, thousands of thousands every single time. And we'll cover it in the weeks to come. Every single time it says they were all healed. All. A-L-L, all. All in Hebrew means all. And all in Greek means all. It's all. He healed them all. And Jesus right here who went about healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Well, there was some oppression behind it. It came from the devil. The sickness came from the devil. That doesn't mean that there was an evil spirit that was on the person or that was uh, there every single time. It was just oppression of the devil. That just tells us, just drives the point home even further that the, where the sickness comes from. He's healing all who were what? Oppressed by God? Healing all who God had made sick? who God had sent a plague to, he was healing all who were oppressed by the devil. That means there was oppression there upon the people. And he is the same yesterday, today, and to forever. God hasn't changed. He's still in the healing business, and Satan hasn't changed either. He's still in another business. Amen. Um... Let's go to Mark, the 16th chapter, and the 15th verse. And this is a popular portion of Scripture. Let's look at it real quick. Mark 16 and 15. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. He said, These signs right here, they said, Who's going to follow those who believe? In my name they will cast out demons, and they will speak in new tongues. Do I believe in that? Absolutely. They will take up serpents and they will drink anything daily or by no means hurt them. Does that mean we're going to play with snakes and drink poison in here? Absolutely not because that's not what it means. If y'all pull out a snake, I'm gone. That last part there I want you to see. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Do you realize he's telling us to go out into all the world? preach the gospel and he says these signs will follow he says that they which is you me us that we will lay hands on the sick and they will cut recover now if it wasn't God's will for them to recover wouldn't the scripture say something a little bit different go out into all the world preach the gospel lay hands on the sick and if it's God's will they will recover and if it's not they won't go out and lay hands on them sick people and tell them you don't know but ah well whatever God wants to do Hello. It's the Holy Spirit. He's calling. He said, somebody answer. Wake up. Don't let it go to voicemail again now. Are y'all with me out there? In James, the fifth chapter, the 14th verse, is anyone among you sick, let him call upon the elders of the church. Now, he's talking to the church. He's talking to the church. Is anyone among you in the church sick? If so, what do you do? Call upon the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Then what? The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. He's talking about the church. That's because he doesn't, the church is not supposed to be sick. This is what the scripture is saying. If there's any sick among the church, call upon the elders. Lay hands on them. Pray for them, anointing with oil, and God will raise them up, and they'll be healed. He doesn't want his church to be healed. He didn't want his church to be sick. Uh, did I say he didn't want his church to be healed? 
Dear Lord, y'all know what I meant. He didn't want his he didn't want his church to be sick then. He doesn't want his church to be sick now. Amen. We're not supposed to walk around in sickness. We're not supposed to say, "Well, just get learn just to deal with it and suffer with it." And um, sometimes you just got to learn to live with a little pain. Um, healing's been provided to us. I know some people that are sick, bad sick. And bad situations, bad deals. And they can't get out and go places. I mean, just sick. Or uh, just got problems, different things going on. Just not whole. And the whole day is just spent sitting at home in a chair, in the bed or whatever, just watching Wheel of Fortune and uh, some cowboy movies and Whatever comes on the TV, John Wayne's not going to be able to help you. I like the Virginian, but it's just not going to pull you through. Wheel of Fortune, that's pretty good too. Pat Sajak, right? Yeah? Haven't seen that in years. I used to like to try to solve those little puzzles. That's not going to help you get healed. Is it not Pat Sajak? Y'all laughing? I don't know. It is? Okay, joke's on y'all then. Anyway. Um, it's just not going to help you. What I'm saying is what you've got to do is get some word in you. You've got to get some word in you. It, the importance has got to be put on the word. There's not an importance that's put on this word. There's not. I mean, churches around the, 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 the world don't put, I mean, not, not the building the church, but the church people around the United States of America don't put importance on the word. You know how I know? Because they plan events for Sunday. I'll come to church after summer's over because I'm going to spend my summer at the lake. Well, I can't come to church for the next three months because we play in ball every Sunday. There's no importance put on the word. It's not that big of a deal at all if we miss. It's not even a big deal. We're just going to go play ball Sunday. I like playing ball. I like it. I like to do all these things. I like having fun in sports, and they're all good. But you should never put it before the word. The word's going to... Let me tell you, I told, I told my son yesterday, I said, son, let me tell you, when you're 30 years old, how many curveballs you threw, how many people you struck out, how many bases you stole, how well you did in baseball is not going to help your marriage. When sickness comes in and attacks you, your children, your wife, how many deer you killed, it won't matter. And one of the first sermons I preached, I preached about it because my life was made up on catching fish and killing deer. And I thought, when I stand before God one day and he asked me, what did I do? Well, I killed a bunch of deer and caught a bunch of fish. <laughs> wow. Well, that's, he's pretty impressed. Of course, that was life to me then, but I realize now what you need in you when the hard times come and situations arise, you need the Word. You've got to have an anchor for your soul, and it's got to be the Word of God. It's got to be Jesus Christ. Amen. Nothing against curveballs. I like a good curveball. I hope you all understand what I'm saying. I like doing these things. They just can't become before, before the word. That man got lowered down that roof, and Jesus said, your sins are forgiven you, man, and he, he was healed. I thought about that scripture, and I, I heard that some, and now I'm not knocking any churches. Hey, you, you do what you think you need to do, but that you have to call in and make reservations to go. The churches, big, larger churches, you have to call in and make reservations to go. 20% capacity, that means the other 80% has got to stay at home. And I thought, what if somebody in the 80% wanted to get saved and they couldn't because they didn't have the reservation? What if the guy got lowered down and Jesus said, Hi, uh, let, me, let me check the list. You don't seem to have a reservation, sir. Sorry. Get him out, ushers. Take him away. And they're checking temperatures at the door. And if you have a fever, any signs of the Rona, they send you back to the house. I see it the opposite. If you're only going to let in one or the other, I tell everybody that's well to stay at the house, tell the sick people to come to church. Amen. Jesus came for the sick. It wasn't the well that he came for. Yeah. People say, well, the Word of God says we've got to suffer with Jesus. It says in 2 Timothy, the 2nd chapter, 12th verse, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. So we've got to suffer with him. It says it. We've got to suffer with Jesus. You know, 
that this sickness I have, this disease, I'm just suffering with Jesus. Well, no, you're not, because he was never sick. He never had a bad back. He never had migraines. He didn't have sinus problems. He didn't have tuberculosis. He certainly didn't have the Rona. He didn't have any of those things. So if you're suffering through those things, you're not suffering with, suffering with Jesus. What did Jesus suffer? He suffered persecution. And if you're living for the Lord, you're, if he's the anchor for your soul, and you put him first, and you're absolutely living for him, you will suffer persecution. People will say, he don't want to go on Sunday because he goes to church. He don't drink because he thinks he's better than you. No, that's not it at all. I go to church because I need the anchor for my soul, and it ain't at the dirt by grace. And I don't drink because I found something better than alcohol. It don't, it don't mean that I think I'm better than anybody. But let me tell you, you'll be persecuted. That is, that's just mild little baby persecutions. There's way greater persecutions than that. Go to another country and pull out your Bible and see what happens. If they don't kill you, then at least they'll throw you in jail. That's what he's talking about. Suffer what? It wasn't sickness or disease. It was persecution. And people say, well, God chastens his children. Correct, he does. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the 5th verse, it says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to the sons. My son, do not spy the chastening of the Lord. Or don't be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Well, yeah, he chastens you. He doesn't make you sick. That's not what chastening is. Chastening is just no different than you raising up your child. You train them. You correct them. You educate them. If my kids... When they were younger and they didn't obey me, I didn't go and break their leg. I didn't go and find somebody who flew the flu and get some of their spit or slobber and, and, and make them lick it to give them the flu. Or I don't even know how you would do how you would intentionally give somebody the flu. I'm just making stuff up here. I didn't do that. I, I didn't. I mean, you know, if they did something wrong, we didn't say let's just knock their eye out. Well, God doesn't do that either. Ever how much you love your children, let me tell you, God loves you a whole lot more than you love your children, more than you can wrap your mind around. But I did train them, and I did correct them, and I did educate them. They did get some spankings when they were little. And I'll tell you right now, I'm glad I did it because, you know, I haven't had to spank them boys in a long, long, long time because I did it when they were little. Don't touch that. They touch it, whack. But... When they're right there and there's a car coming, you say, don't go down that road. And they run out of the road. There ain't no coming back from that. That's why you got discipline. The Word of God says, spare the rod, spoil the child. Yeah, they need a little pot. They need a little spanking. I ain't talking about one of them love taps. I mean, light them up. <laughs> I need a lot more spankings than I got. <laughs> oh, I know it's true. Amen. It's true. I need a lot more spankings. But, um, you know, I remember Kyle was the hard-headedest, most stubborn, believe it or not, out of the three. You wouldn't think it. You'd think it would be Seth who got the most spankings. Well, Seth did get the most spankings, actually. Yeah, he did. But uh, Kyle, one time he was going to do something. He did something. I said, son, don't do that. And he just looked at me, and he did it. So I whacked him. I said, son, don't do that. Well, what if it was a hot stove? You know what I'm saying? In other, words, in other words, when Dad says don't do that, there, there needs to be some type of a, of a fear of, I better not do that or he's going to light me up. Because time out, it didn't, it didn't affect my kids. None. And every child is different. You beat your kids or don't beat them, do what you want to. But anyway, I whacked him again. He looked at me. He went and did it again. Then I whacked him even harder. He did it again. This time I whacked him hard. I'm talking about grown man hard. Then he did it. He started to do it again. And I looked at Jackie, and she's like, gave me the nod. And that meant. <laughs> so I had him stretched up by his arm, and I lifted him off the ground about three or four good times. He didn't do it again. And I'll be honest with you, I can't remember ever having to spank him ever since then. I think that day was, one of us was going <laughs> to break. But I was training him, correcting him, and unfortunately, pain is an excellent motivator. Um, it is. It, it works good. You mean I got paddlings at school, the coaches, and whew, I didn't want any more. <laughs> it motivated me to study a little bit because it hurt. 
But anyway, chastening, training, educate. I didn't break their legs or give them some kind of disease or do any of those things. People say, well, what about old Job? What about old Job? And this, that, and other about Job. And he, he suffered, went through these things. <clears throat> and I've heard a lot of teachings on it. Job, the third chapter, 25th verse. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. No? Read it slowly. For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. He greatly feared something, and it came to him. What he dreaded, it, it came to pass in his life. Do you know what? Fear opens the door to Satan. God didn't commission it. He didn't send it. Did he allow it? Yeah, but he'll allow you to do it. He'll allow you to go rob the gas station right now after church if you want to. He'll allow you just like he allowed Adam to sin. He'll allow you to do anything you want. That's because he didn't create a robot. He created you for a relationship. He wanted you to choose him. He wanted you to have the choice. Fear opens the door. That's why he says, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. There's a fear not in there 365 times because we're not supposed to operate in fear. We're not supposed to react in fear. We're not supposed to speak in fear. We're not supposed to do anything that we do on a daily basis in fear. You've got to say no to fear. I mean, I mean, literally say no to fear. If fear starts to get a hold of you, nope, I am not going to get in fear. I will not get in fear. I'm going to stand in this word, and this word is the opposite to fear. Because if you're in fear, you're not in faith. Fear does come and give you an opportunity every day of your life to get in fear. You've got to say no. Take the thought, cast it out the window. I'm not going to get in fear. I'm going to stay in faith. What's this word say? Yeah, but what did the TV say? What did the media say? What did the bank say? Everybody else is getting laid off. You next. What's the word of God say? Find a scripture in there. Stand on the scripture. I'm telling you, we weren't created for fear. We don't work well in fear. We get in fear and we make some mistakes. We do terrible, stupid things. Amen. Most of the time you're all worried about something that's never going to happen anyway. You know, the whole thing that with Job there, uh, the scholars say was between 9 and 18 months. So the whole hard thing that he went through that was so terrible and awful at the most lasted 18 months. But you know, God gave him back twice as much as he had before. And after he gave it back to him, he gave him an additional 140 years of life. See, God gives. He doesn't take. I just don't deserve that. No, what you deserve is Hell. The worst thing that could ever happen to you in your entire life is better than you deserve. Go ahead and wrap your mind around that. If I got sick, broke my leg, lost all my money, better than I deserve. Better than I deserve. I deserve hell. Nothing compares to hell. We put too much emphasis on these things here on this earth and make a big deal about things. And I'm not saying your life doesn't matter. It does matter. I'm not saying the lives of your loved ones don't matter. It absolutely matters. But do you understand we're just here for a second, just a glint. it's just boom, that fast compared to eternity. That's what matters. You think about, I remember Stick was carrying his son, and he had, this is two or three years ago, he had a balloon, and he had this balloon, he was happy. And that balloon touched that light out there, pow, popped. He wasn't happy anymore, started crying. And Stick's like, it's all right, buddy, we'll get you another one. You know, it's just a balloon. He kept saying it's just a balloon. But to him, it wasn't just a balloon. It was a big deal because he's only two or three. And that's about as far as his mind can go is my balloon just busted and the world's coming to an end now. How much, but to stick or to me or to you, if a kid drops a sucker, not that big of a deal. It's just a sucker. We'll get you a note. In fact, you're going to forget this even happened. <laughs> and I thought when I saw that, that's the same way how we get so upset and worried about things here on this earth that God's like, it's not that big a deal. Just You'll see. It's not going to be that much longer. And what you think is just terrible and awful, it, you understand? Because one day we're going to see clearly. We're going to see clearly. What about old Paul? He had that thorn. What kind of sickness do you think he had? I had people ask me that all the time. 
What do you think happened to him? What kind of sickness? Because you know, the Bible said he had a thorn in his side. He was sick. The Bible never says one time that Paul was sick. Where'd you make that baloney up? Well, he had a thorn in his side. Have, have you ever said, this bad ankle, you should never say my bad ankle. You should, if you're going to refer to this ankle over here that has been broke a few times, just say, that's that old ankle I broke. Don't call it a bad ankle because it's not. It's a good one. Call it good. Power of life and death on your tongue. You can speak blessings. You can speak curses. But anyway, this old ankle of mine, it's a real thorn in my side. This old bad back's a thorn in my side. My hair's falling out. That's a thorn in my side. Have you ever said one earlobe's lower than the other? What a thorn in my side. Have you ever said anything about that being a thorn in your side? No. What you say is, that guy I work with is a real thorn in my side. My old lady's a real thorn in my side. I've never said that. Some of you have. That guy I live with, he's a real thorn in my side. We say that about people, that they're becoming a thorn in my side. Paul was talking about someone who was a thorn in his side as well. And it wasn't sickness and it wasn't disease, it was Satan. And you go back in the Old Testament, you read, and I can show you right here one scripture in Numbers. He says, uh, he's talking to Israel. He said, but if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land that from uh, before you, then it shall be to those uh, that you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your side. And they will harass you in the land where you dwell. He's talking about wiping them out. If you don't wipe them out, they're going to become a thorn in your side. Do you remember the prophet told Saul, he said, God said to tell you to kill all the Amalekites, to wipe them all out, leave none. But Saul, uh, Saul didn't. He left some. He kept some, and guess what? He fought the Amalekites for the rest of his life, and he ended up dying in the Amalekite battle. The, those Amalekites became a thorn in his side. And what Paul was talking about, the thorn in his side, is being, being Satan because everywhere he went to preach and teach and share the gospel, there was always evil spirits there that were trying to stir things up and get people riled up and make things hard on him. And, and he says right here in 2 Corinthians, unless I should be exalted above uh, measure by the abundance of the uh, revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. What was a thorn in the flesh? A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. The thorn in his side was a messenger from Satan that was going ahead of him. That was the thorn in his side. And he said, God didn't remove the thorn in his side. No, because he's the little G of the earth because Adam sold out. You say, well, God, I just don't want the devil to ever mess with me. I just pray that the devil will never, ever mess with me again. Remove the thorn from my side. He's going to have to kill you and take you to heaven. Because if you stay here on the earth, the devil is going to mess with you. That's why the thorn wasn't removed. I'll tell you when the thorn was removed. When Paul gave up the ghost, took his last breath and went to heaven, that's when the thorn was removed. Amen. God is a 100% opposed to sickness, 100%. It's not his will that we should be sick or he wouldn't have made provision for us. Amen? We're, we're winding her down here. Um, in Deuteronomy, the 7th chapter, the 13th verse, I want you to see right here how much God loves you. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. That's our God. He'll love you. He'll bless you. He'll multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your grain, your new wine, your oil, the increase of the cattle, and the offspring of the flock in the land in which he has sworn to your fathers to give you. You shall be blessed above all people. There shall not be a male or female bearing among you or among your livestock. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt which you have known, but will lay them on all those who hate you. Now, he's talking to the children of Israel. Do you, you, did, you, did you just read that along with me? That's our God. Amen to that. You say, well, that's Old Testament. What's that got to do with us? He's talking to Israel. He's not talking to us. Well, I'm glad you asked that question. In 1 Corinthians... In the 10th chapter, he's talking about Israel. He says, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written, to, uh, were written for our 
admonition upon the ends of the ages to come. It was written for you and me that they were our examples, that they are our examples. That we're supposed to go back in the Old Testament and read this. These are our examples. In other words, this has been passed down to us, the blessings of Abraham upon us. Sickness and the disease is not upon us. He was against sickness in the Old Testament. He's against sickness in the New Testament. He was against sin in the Old Testament. He's against sin in the New Testament. He made provision in the Old Testament. He's made provision in the New Testament for you and me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now I'm going to close right here in Exodus. And I say close. I'm just closing for today. And we're going to keep on going next week. And next is the 15th chapter, the 26th verse. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His sight, give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, this is the very first thing he tells them, the very first covenant he makes with them when they come out across the Red Sea. He said, I'll put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. He says, I'm the Lord who heals you, and none of these sicknesses and diseases are going to come upon you. But notice there, his commandments and keep his statutes. As long as Israel walked in the covenant, there wasn't any sick. You go back and read the people, they grew old. They weren't sick. They walked in the covenant. They grew old, long lives. They called their kids in. They spoke with them. They blessed them. And then they went on, took their last breath and went on. That's the way it was then. They say, that's the way it's supposed to be for us now. God's the same yesterday, today, forever. He hasn't changed. The only thing that's changed is the church. You can go back to Luke. They were all upset because Jesus had forgiven them that man on that mat of his sins and told him to take his mat and go home. Now the church, no problem with forgiveness of sins, but they're mad if you preach healing and tell people healing belongs to them. It's wild how it's changed. The healing belongs to us. Everything that we've gone through this morning and proved it here in Scripture, it's not my opinion. This is the Word of God. This is the Word of God that you've got to apply to your life. You go read in Hebrews 8, chapter starting in about the 6th verse, 6 through 12, I believe. It says... We've been given a new covenant. Just like these children of Israel were given this covenant and obey these commands and all these and all good things are going to come to you, we've been given a new covenant. It says it's better than the old covenant. Go read it. He says he's, his sins, your sins and lawless deeds that he remembers no more. That's the, the covenant that we're in. Now you take a look at this world that we're in today. What's going on in the United States of America? We can just go back. We'll go back and look at Exodus right here where we're at. Diligently heed the voice of the Lord and do what is right. When you put no emphasis on the Word of God and you're off doing other things, you are not diligently heeding the voice of the Lord. You're saying, no big deal. I'm putting no importance on the Word of God. It's not a big deal. Well, you're not, you're not fulfilling this. And do what is right in His sight. is putting everything else before him right at his side and just fitting him in wherever you can make time for him? No. Give ear to his commandments. Let's turn your ear to this word. Listen to this word. It's important to put this into your heart. Now, I know there's, there's, there's protesting going on and there's things being torn down, monuments and statues and all these different things. And um, just because you tear these things down, that doesn't change a man's heart. It may be bringing awareness to, hey, this is painful to me and I do not like this. Protesting may be bringing awareness to things, but you can protest, tear down, burn down, do anything you want, but that will not change a man's heart. And until a man's heart, heart is changed, you will continue to see violence. You'll continue to see racism. You'll continue to see all these things. And guess what else you're going to continue to see? Sickness and disease. You can take that one scripture and apply it to so many areas in your life. But we, we as a church, have a job to do. Tell me that shirt right there real quick. I'm going to show you this real quick. It's certainly not a... 
she was at church on Sunday. She never got to play ball. But we have a seven-mile logo, and we haven't gotten away from that, just so you know. Um, but we do have a, a, another shirt that we just got made, and it's got this 7M on it. And the 7M is... What does that mean? Well, that's going to give them... Well, the other shirt says seven-mile ministry. Well, it's not hard to know what that means. It's a ministry, right? It's got a cross on it. But this is 7M, so people can say, what is, what's that 7M mean? Well, first of all, it's an opportunity for you to uh, tell them what it means. But on the back, what we always say is we're leaving out and going home better than we came in. Well, this says leave them better. That's because we go out into the world and we go to the ball field and we go to work, gas station, wherever it is that we go. When people come in contact with us, we should leave them better than they were before they came in contact with us. Now, if we apply this scripture to our life and we go out into this world to leave, if everybody did, if we decided we're going to go out into the world and we're going to leave them better, there would be no violence. There would be no racism. There would be no stealing. There would be no killing because when the word of God, when the love of God is shed abroad in your heart, people won't do these things. So what I'm saying is what's missing here is Jesus. What this world needs is Jesus. What the United States of America is looking for is a superhero. His name is Jesus. That's what we need. And we need to leave them better. Amen? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit. We're going to pick up next Sunday. Some of y'all are smiling. Y'all are glad we're done. Others are, your wife's elbowing you, telling you to wake up. Time to go. I'm just messing around. Hope y'all got something out of it. I know it's a lot to take in, but we need to take it in. We need to get it in. We need to get it in. Because faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing what? Not the news, but the Word of God. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your Word. It's your Word we build our lives on. It's your Word that we turn to, that we trust in, that we put our faith in, that we believe in. It's